So this exercise of body sweeping is a nice way to um, use mindfulness to get a feeling for it. Something that has a certain degree of flexibility, but its uh, con- continuity is its continual attentiveness. Uh, and, uh, and the sense that the attention is not searching for anything. Not trying to find, it's not trying to find something, it just is attending to what arises. So it's got no particular agenda. But it has a sort of sympathetic attention. And how is this? How is this? And uh, now, how is this affecting me? How is this affecting the heart? What are the effects that arise with this? So, as we use something like that, that focus over the over the body. being the agreeable and disagreeable sensations and then how we sort of mental agitation can occur around the difficult disagreeable sensations how is that if we linger with it and don't go into the reactivity around disagreeable sensations there's a possibility for change of mind. To be more expansive. Step back. Less uh, struggling with it. More open to it. And so it changes the mind. Perhaps changes our perspectives on how we relate to disagreeable feeling altogether. Very important to learn to relate to dis- disagreeable feeling. I don't like disagreeable feelings, not that I particularly relish it. But generally, my relationships with disagreeable feelings are pretty ignorant. Can't just bash it, <laughs> resist it, fight it. Or blame somebody for it, <laughs> or blame myself for it, and these are just kind of distraction. They're, they're, they're scramble responses. They're not measured, mature, open responses. So, it remains in this kind of domineering attitude that I don't want this, I want that. Shove off, fix it, change it, get out. You know? This domineering strategy is a very um, ingrained habit. The self wants to be on top of things. And uh, naturally this, this domineering attitude then becomes a basis for other aspects of behavior. Now when we scan the energies of the body... So we begin to recognize, hey, this this body thing is not just this shape I see in a mirror or a photograph. It's all kinds of textures to it. Sensation textures and energetic textures or 
though in some places quite vibrant, tingly, some pulsing, some hot, some smooth and easy, some fluid, some extremely uh, um, prickly, you know, difficult. And then how how our reactions occur around that. Now, with mindfulness, you're just again still holding that, open to it, and it becomes even more significant because the quality of a, an attention that is just spreading sympathetic affects the energies. The energies that are tightened can feel themselves releasing. If you, if you cultivate it, if you keep spreading a widening, a sympathetic awareness over areas of your body, compacted energies can begin to release. It's quite a, a sympathetic, the energetic level is very sympathetic. So if we attend with the right kind of attitude, the energies do of the body begin to respond to that. This again is a great learning because the imbalances, the curiosities, the disagreeable, is starting to learn, well, maybe if I just related to it, not from a fix it, change it, whose fault is this, why do I get out of it, but just how to sympathize with it, it could change itself. It could begin to release itself. It could begin to energize itself if it feels dull. Very important to to cultivate this, particularly when you're sick. You can't redo very much. And you can get in this, oh no, I can't, oh no, I feel rotten, oh why, you know, it's kind of me. And, and I mean, in some ways being sick is, is great because you get a break, but you never really enjoy it very much. But my, with practicing mindfulness is a way to make being sick quite quite agreeable. Because you <laughs> you get a break from work, nobody bothers you, people bring you nice drinks and things. <laughs> if you're lucky. And soothing remarks are made to you. And then also you get to use your awareness just to rest your awareness on discomfort with no pressure, no pressure at all, just the resting awareness on discomfort and maybe moving it slightly, a soothing gesture towards discomfort, uncomfortable feelings or energies. And it is quite remedial. For a start, it changes the mental attitude from agitation and stress into something that's much more compassionate and serene. And it allows discordant energies in the body to begin to, to shift. A certain healing. sensitivity to the fluctuations and the changes 
You realize the body itself is not even one thing. It's a constantly, it's like a river. It has a rough approximate form, but its qualities are continually shifting and changing and rippling. It's a natural form. And when we approach, or when we use mindfulness around a natural form like that, it begins to change our attitudes to how do you cooperate, how do you handle this. So the body teaches us to be mindful, because it's not a fixed thing, it's not something you just nail down. Uh, it trains us to be aware of subtly changing things, it, cha- it tra- trains us to be aware in a sympathetic, receptive way. It encourages to learn how to listen and open, allow things to unfold. Things are not what I imagine they are, what they should be, they're what they are. Of course, there's one quality that's much more solid and fixed than the body is the mind. The body is much more supple and pliable than the mind. Uh, it seems strange because we think of the mind as just what? Immaterial. No substance at all. But its substance is the particular fixed attitudes we have or we acquire viewpoints that we have or acquire uh, programs that is do it programs that we we have obligation programs that we have uh, feelings of inadequacy that we have can be very fixed so when they start running you know the net result of mental programs mental behaviors is this is me this i am and this is a very solid, fixed form. It's solid because we want it to be solid. Yeah. We like to have a fixed self, but maybe we like to have a fixed self that was a little bit better than this one, <laughs> which isn't very good. I like to have a fixed self, but not quite this one, or one with a few tweak it a bit. But then you get into the paradox. How can you change a fixed self into another fixed self? <laughs> yeah. what, is, what is required to enable your fixed self to be unfixed so that change could occur? Uh, and this means beginning to acknowledge as we... As we uh, focus or are aware of ourself, ourself is made up essentially of a series of behaviours, mental attitudes, programmes, obligations, relationships, projects, expectations, regrets, um, interests and so forth. Some helpful, some unhelpful. It's a a whole, it really is a a, a river, but it's actually more, more, more like a knotted rope because there's such demand upon it to be 
a solid, fixed, efficient, reliable guide for our life. So there's a huge pressure on it to be that way. And that pressure means it becomes unavailable for change. And when we're looking for clearance and renewal, this above all is what we want to have available for change. And available for change means we don't really even know what it's going to change into. Because if you've got an idea of what you're going to be or should be, then you're not really available for the process of change. The process of change is allowing what you don't need right now, for this half an hour, or for this five days, or for this day, or for this session, what you don't need to switch off and relax. Encouraging it to do so. Putting aside. And open to what will arise in its place, which we don't quite know. Because if we knew then that would already be an established attitude, program, wish, expectation. So then we're not really changing, we're just decorating. We're not really allowing a process of change, because process of change means the agent has to also relax for deep change. Not just the, the content, but the holder of the content. This is where mindfulness is so helpful and necessary because mindfulness is a container. It's not really about content. Mindfulness contains or is, is a vessel which you can have content arising within. And uh, our practice is to practice so that mindfulness is something that's not rigid, it's not fixed, it's not uh, like a steel container, it's more like a leather, something that's supple, flexible, dependent on what you're putting into it. It will, it will to a certain extent, adapt to, contain, relate to, handle that, be attentive to that. And this flexibility, at the same time maintaining coherent holding of it, uh, allows the content to settle, to shift, to, to, to shift and change. If it's not contained, then what occurs is either things get forgotten, lost, because the mind, if it's not contained by mindfulness, it's contained by self acts as the container. This is me, this is mine, this is what I'm interested in, this is what feels good, this is helpful, this is necessary, this is what I want. That acts as the focus for what we focus on. And we will focus according to our wishes, inclinations, habits, expectations and so forth. So that's all. But that is programmed by self. You can't 
get out of the self-program that way. So if you're looking for real clearance and renewal, doesn't you know? You're not doing anything that destructive, but just saying, could I be mindful of phenomena rather than uh, identifying with them and having a program, a goal? I want a result that I want to get. Uh, having a system that chooses, I like. I want to be with this. I don't want to be with that. Can I have a, a quality that could be with the disagreeable, the small, the large, the bizarre, the unimportant, the tedious, the sick, <laughs> the happy? You know, the whole range of it. Can I cover all of it? Hmm? or not searching for content but that which arises so we're learning to or encouraging yourselves to to put our attention our attitudes towards establishing this container so life will never really be catch us by surprise which is the problem of the programmed self. It's very good at following its own inclinations and attitudes and training, but outside of that, it gets very confused. Dealing with the uncomfortable, or the ineffective, or the miserable, or the tragic, it just... I can't handle it. You know, I can handle... You know, going to work, I can handle doing, being a productive manager. I can't, I find it very difficult to be with my demented mother. I don't know what to do. I feel, I, I, I can't handle it. Because yeah. I've normally handled things I could get results from. I knew how to do and operate. But something like a person whose mind is falling apart, my mother, I can't. I just feel overwhelmed. Or my son with addictions, or you know, you name the human stuff. And these aren't things you can learn at school. And yet, this is what happens. This is the real stuff, you know, the, the conflicts between people, uh, the old grievances that people hold for each other, uh, the feelings of being intimidated, uh, the breakdowns, the times when things fall apart, when someone betrays you. You can't say this is easy stuff or something that, you know, but, you know, these are things that can cause one to break down. 
and yet we're all prone to such things occurring in ourselves and of course in our society and our friends, our relatives, our neighbours, people next door, so forth. You know, we're in this very chaotic human domain and the fixed self can't manage it. So we just build walls and walls and walls and walls and walls and walls and walls. And yeah, you know, you can keep the neighbours out <laughs> for a while. But one thing you can't keep out is what your own mental stuff, your own emotional stuff, the stuff you wake up in the middle of the night with, or the fears or the anxieties about what's going to happen in the future. And, and you sorrows about your friends and relatives or people who have passed away or people you're still in conflict with and so then one can't be mindful of them it's such a sort of such a kind of sterile world in some ways isn't it it means you, you can hold it sympathetically without not feeling indignant it shouldn't be this way not adding I mean I don't want it to be this way certainly not if it didn't have to be this way great that's fine with me but it's like this (laughs) and The feeling of impotence. I wish I could make it better for her. I wish I could make her distress go away. I wish I could make him free from that habit. That impotence, the feeling I, I feel I can't, I must have done something wrong, or I wish I could do a bit more, or my responsibility to, you know, those experiences. You could be mindful of that. You can gather your attention around it, which is just, it's like this. I mean, that, that's the verbal expression of it. But that's not what it feels, that's not, the, what it, that's not it, that's the verbal expression of it. It's much too, it's much too simple and clean and and uh, nice and tidy, it's like this, it's just the ability to emotionally stay present without closing down, without shaking, uh, without trying to discharge the stress into blaming oneself, I'm inadequate, I can't do this, I should have done better, Uh, blaming others, he's an idiot, how did he let himself get into that state, or just feeling... Uh, feeling of the, the, you know, the tragedy of the human condition. People fall apart. You see somebody whose brain is going or their health is going. You know, and we feel 
crushed by that or overwhelmed by that. Now, is it, you know, so when we're cultivating mindfulness, is it, it, it can be a container of this, a place where we can, our, our hearts can stay steady and open to that. But this is not going to be done through some self-program. It's going to be done through the heart itself. Is able to receive the perplexing, the confused, the unfinished, the tangled. And if it's held in that open state, steady and unwavering with mindfulness, the stresses can run through it and discharge. Mm. It's the difference between a wall and a cloud. A cloud, everything passes through it. A cloud can occupy a valley, and yet it doesn't, not stuck in it. Birds can fly through it, trees can fly through it, there might be rocks, cars, everything can move through it but it remains unbroken. Wall, much firmer, much more solid. Sooner or later something will break it down. It will collapse in itself. So when we begin to just even bear an image like that in mind, when you look at the how fixed, where you, particularly where your fixities are in terms of the fixed attitude one has to oneself, the feeling, how we almost get into these feelings of fixed obligations, fixed responsibilities. Um, fixed references, I'm one of this, I'm like that. Uh, and these, what, what, referring to what? Moods, energies, dispositions. Can we just hold them mindfully? Not asking them to change, but the very act of holding them mindfully, strangely enough, When we've given up the idea that we could be ever any different from that, when we've given up the idea that we could be different from that, oh, it changes. And the steady holding that allows new understanding to arise. I spent the earliest early years of my life, um, first few decades of it, 
pretty concerned to avoid taking responsibility. Don't like being responsible. Don't like leading things. Don't want to be looking after things. Um, you know, don't want to be in that position where I'm responsible for things. I like to be just left alone, do my own thing, you do your thing, that's fine. Uh, free obligation, responsibility. Uh, and then following that, how can I stay like that, disengaged? Law of karma is that when you follow that, sooner or later you find what happened to me was I found myself being put in positions of responsibility <laughs> for communities and for teaching and for leading things and directing things. Strange. And uh, something is, I can't, I don't, I can't, I don't, I can't, no, why should I? I don't, I can't, I can't. It's not me, it's up to, I can't, it's, they can't. And then you get tired of listening to this, I can't, I can't. And uh, you don't have to have a result, you just have to sustain mindfulness, attention, sympathetic response to what arises and see what happens. Uh, what I found to my surprise was that um, there's not much weight in it. It can seem like one's very busy holding a lot of things, but actually you only ever hold one thing at a time. And the most important thing to hold carefully is the feeling that I'm supposed to hold everything. <laughs> Once you handle that one, uh, for the uh, reactive uh, attitude that it is, you know, just holding quality of responsibility itself, mm. softening, relaxing the energies around that, just, just give attention to and see what comes forth from that. And for many years, just doing that, I still always get the the residues after having, you know, taught something or led something or you know directed something. Immediately after it finished, there would be the the tribunal would occur. You missed that point. That wasn't very good. You let them go with that. She would have done it better than you. So and so, so and so, did it much better than you. It should be like that. And get this little report after it generally did a failed <laughs> C minus failed could do better <laughs> and so you stay with that impression the failure impression and actually be willing to be mindful of the experience of failure. And maybe nobody else was saying it. Uh, but just staying with that sense of having failed, it should be better than this, and holding that mindfulness carefully, attentively.
until it begins to, when there's no pressure on it, there's no engagement with it, there's no pushing it away, it begins to shift and change. And so you end up, that was neither a success nor a failure. It was what it was. And we begin to move out of the realm of winning, losing, success, failure, praise, blame, into which are all self-positions, which you always get caught in and run away from blame and search for praise and run away from failure and search for success. But with mindfulness, you don't have to run. And essentially what it begins to occur through that, through mindfulness, is you're also much more attentive to the process that you're in rather than having a game plan of how it's supposed to be. And as actions proceed, one feels clean, clear, neither a success nor a failure, just something's been completed, moved on, passed through, finished. This constant clearing clearing, clearing, and the renewal of uh, supportive qualities, mindfulness. So we begin using the body both as an object of mindfulness and also as a trainer and a teacher of it. And then much more um, pertinently in many ways, or penetrating in any ways, you're noticing the particular drives and programs that the mind brings up, the ones that have pressure on them, the ones that have compulsion on them, the ones that have I should be, the ones that have I'm not, the ones that have I'm comparing yourself with others. Those programs, those attitudes, which are the kind of almost like the bones that make the self so solid, these are the ones you need to track with attention, hold with mindfulness. How is that? The feeling of pressure, whatever's behind that, the uncertainties, the anxiety, the expectation. Holding with sympathetic attention till it begins to soften and release. This is clearing. And the mindfulness of, of heart is the process to facilitate that. <laughs> 